opportunity to hear from God's pastor here. I know he's got something exciting for you to hear. I know his heart's in it. I know he's worked all, all week on it, <laughs> at least maybe longer. And he's going to give us this stirring, stirring sermon called Led by the Spirit of God, Mr. Andrews. Thanks, Ron. I already got my Bible open. Ready to go. We um, we had a little informal, well, I don't know, I guess you call it informal Bible study uh, by John Eldridge. The name of the book that we've been going through is uh, Resilient. I'm trying to become resilient uh, in a society that uh, really is very difficult. And we, <laughs> some of us, I had a little trouble with the first part of the book, but as we got through, uh, not this last week, but the week before that, I guess it was the week before that, maybe it was, uh, um, but having an Eden without the king was, was phenomenal, and understanding that without the king on this earth, we do not have the kind of, uh, of life uh, that we will have in the kingdom of God. And the last week was very interesting. Becoming, getting deeper with God um, in ways that we can uh, can get closer to God, get deeper. He talks about the shallows, he talks about the middle, and then he talks about becoming deep with God. Well, that led me to thinking about, well, we are being led by the Spirit of God. And of course, when I read that, uh, I got to thinking about Romans, the 8th chapter. And it's one of the most profound chapters in the, in the Bible. And of course, <laughs> every chapter, everything in the Bible can, um, can stir you, can make you, uh, your mind turn to God, your life turn to God, and different things can come to mind as you study the Word. One of the things about Romans, the 8th chapter, it talks about the Spirit and how the Spirit works in us. It also talks about the kingdom of God and beyond the kingdom of God. And it talks about how there is nothing in the whole universe that can keep us from the love of God. <laughs> so, you know, Paul is a very, uh, very profound writer and it Every time that I uh, open the book of Romans, I look at it, and I think about it, and I meditate on it, it just seems like there's just so much more there. I don't want to start with Romans uh, 8.1. I want to start with Romans 8, verse 28. Because I think in, in the scheme of things, we need to have especially in the life that we're, we're living today. We need to have the confidence that God is with us. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not sure what that one was. but <laughs> Just emphasize the point. I was talking with earlier someone, and I was saying, well, you know, the Barnabas, we were talking about it in church, you know, we, 
we'd be uh, one of the first in the church. Uh, people would start kind of nodding off. Well, the ministers didn't quite like that. So they would do either one of two things. They would start yelling, or they would pound on the podium. This one doesn't pound very good, but they'd pound on the podium and they'd try to get your attention. Even if the message was very boring, they would still try to get your attention. So anyway, my, my point is, uh, for them that love God, to them who were called according to His purpose, I think this is so profound that we are called according to a purpose that God has. And that purpose is the kingdom of God. That purpose is being His sons. I've been thinking so much about that with this craziness that's going on in the world that we live in and the things that are happening to young children and young uh, uh, adults even and trying to change their gender where God says in the beginning He created male and female, created he them after his image. In every way, there is no way to be confused. So there is a purpose, and that purpose is the kingdom of God. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Way back there. God had a purpose. He had a plan. And He's been working it out and working it out. And we're getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. Because of the things that are going on in the world and the changes that are going on, I think we're getting closer. But He has a purpose and He has a plan. And there are many brethren that are being called Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he, also, he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, then he glorified. The process that God goes through to bring us into the kingdom is beyond imaginable. Because this physical world that we live in wants to pull us back into it. It wants to have us just give ourselves over to the world. Give ourselves over to the things of the world. It doesn't want us to understand about Jesus Christ. It doesn't want us to understand about the kingdom of God. About the hope that we have for our own selves and for our own families. And for each and every one in the world because of Jesus Christ. And so he's, he talks about how that eventually we're all going to be glorified into the kingdom of God. What shall we then say to those things? Uh, this is so profound. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I read those words and I take that to heart. That if God is for us, and you've been baptized, and you have God's Holy Spirit, he is for you. He, he loves you. He loves to be involved in your life. And, and so, when we look at Romans, um, the 8th chapter, we have to go a little bit further back a little bit because Paul kind of sets the stage in Romans, the 7th chapter. 
there is a struggle that goes on, and we all know that. Um, there's the physical and there's the spiritual, and there's that struggle that's going on inside of us. And Paul really brings that out in, in the seventh chapter. He says, beginning in verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. That word carnal just means fleshly, just the normal, natural person. Sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do, I, uh, I, uh, do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Especially when God gives you the Spirit. And you're aware of the things in the world and things that are, you know, can, can affect you and the sins that are out there. You realize how easy it is to fall back into things. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. And thou shalt not cover it. It is. It's very good. If everyone obeyed that one law, thou shalt not steal. Everyone obeyed that one. There would be a lot less problems in the world. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in the, that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not do, not that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I think we all find ourselves sometimes wanting to do good, and there seems to be some, some things that are always getting encroaching into to our life and, and, and pushing us away from that. I find then the law which when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And so he's going through this and, and really thinking about his life. And yeah, just all these things have come about. And, and Paul, he, he was actually persecuting the church. And he, he understood what, what it was, that sin, and God called him out of it. And so he was struggling. He says, though I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. You know, sometimes that's just the way it is. We want to do, but sometimes our, our bodies are, <laughs> I'd like to go do this, or I'd like to be involved in this, and and sometimes we do it, and we, we, later we regret it. So, in chapter 8, in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, having the Spirit of God is one of the most important things in a Christian's life. Being able, understanding, because once you're baptized, and you come up out of that watery grave, and you have hands laid on you, and they ask God to give you that Spirit. Understand, it says, you shall receive the Spirit. It's not maybe. Or, you know, in certain circumstances, the Spirit is not going to be there. No, God's working with each one, every one of us. All the time, that Spirit is there in us. And Christ and the Father are there. 
For the law of the Spirit of, the, uh, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, if you'll turn to... Because sometimes it's a little hard to understand uh, this part of it. Let's turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. And because uh, Paul does explain some of this. And it's, these are deep theological things, and I don't really have the time to go through it in, in detail. But understand that um, because of God's Holy Spirit, we're able to overcome many, many things in our life. Lots of things. Romans uh, 6 and verse 23. Everyone should be familiar with this one. For the wages, that is the payment for sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if the sins that you have committed are not repented of eventually, it is not just going into the grave, but it is the death of uh, eternal death in uh, the Gehenna fire. Uh, that's what it's, it's talking about. Um, but God is... God is very patient with humankind. He, it says in the Scriptures that He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of God, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to the knowledge of the Spirit that dwells within us. And so, consequently, those are some of the things that um, we, we need uh, to really deeply understand. In verse, verse 1 of chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? <laughs> uh, I, I like the way he puts this. God forbid. Let it not be so. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And so that's, that's how we walk in that newness of life. We are given the Spirit when we come up out of that watery grave. All of these things um, are, have deep spiritual understanding, but they, they, they can be very, um, very simple in, in, in some ways. Back to Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of the sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law... Now, if you, if you notice how Paul puts some of these things, because the law is righteous. Um, it's a lamp, it's, it's truth, it's, it's, the, it's the way we should live in every way. It is, the, is so very positive that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So all of our lives should be reflecting that Spirit that's in us. You know, we were talking, the, the Bible study was talking about fruit. Well, we should be bearing good fruit. Uh, that the, uh, the the word is that I was looking is corrupt, but it's actually rotten fruit that, that he was talking about. We should be bearing good fruit. 
and, and that's in Galatians 5. Um, love, joy, peace, all of those things we should be bearing and should be uh, able to, to, um, to show forth that because of the Spirit that dwells in us. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally, and again, that's just the normal, natural mind. It's not something that's evil. It's just the way we are. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so you, you can see how important the Spirit is in our life. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And we see a lot going on in the areas of, of, of evolution, Marxism, atheism, all of the different things that are trying um, to push Christianity completely out of, um, well, they want to eventually completely push us out of the world, but to push us out of the most free country in, in the world is very, very serious right now. So then, that the flesh cannot please God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so, all of us that are baptized, Paul says then, they, that you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit should begin to take over that fleshly part of you and, be, and, and make you your, your whole being acceptable to God's truth. Remember, the, the Bible talks about the stony heart. Well, we should have a fleshly heart, able to be touched by God's Word. When it is read, it should touch us. It should give us encouragement, understanding, um, the ability to overcome things in our life that, we, uh, that we've been struggling with. And we should be able, through that Spirit, as we've been, we should be able to go deeper with God. We should be able to learn deeper things from God. So, let's... Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Here is another profound spiritual thing to understand. Having God's Holy Spirit in us is like having a, um, I'm trying to, to think of an example that would be, um, I, want to, I don't want to say a mark, that's not a very good, that's not a very good example, but it's, it's just like having um, um, that very precious thing that, that God knows who you are, He knows who, exactly who you are, He knows your name, He knows who your spirit, He knows everything about you because He dwells in you. He is a part of you. And because of that Spirit is in you, that means that you now have that wonderful thing that if you should die, you shall be resurrected because you will be made alive. 
and the resurrection. He will quicken your mortal body by His Spirit that dwells in you. It is the most positive thing to have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. I wish we could. Re- I wish I could read that every day, every, and really believe that sometimes in my life, because I think sometimes I get so involved in physical things and fleshly things, and don't think about the Word of God like I should. And I should come back to this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You shall live. And this is one of the most profound things. This is what God has been doing ever since He created Adam and Eve. This is what He's been looking forward to. This is what will happen someday. For as many of you as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many of you as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption or sonship, whereby we cry, Abba. Well, Abba is a Hebrew word for Father. Father, Father. I love you, Father. I love you for calling me out of this world, for giving me your Holy Spirit, and for showing me the love that you have through your, the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. The Spirit also bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, for those that... I go through this all the time because I think it is so very important. Understanding, having the Spirit of God and the Spirit in man. And I'm not going to go through all of the Scriptures that talks about, but if you look at 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, in just one verse, and Paul, uh, sometimes you can actually pick <laughs> Paul's thinking out of uh, different letters as to how he brings things out. Um, 2 verse 11, it says, For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Everyone is born with the spirit of man. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. So, God talks to our spirit through his spirit. That's how it works. He comes to dwell in us because we have a spirit in man. When we receive that spirit in God, now we are not just that human rock in the earth. We now have the hope of the kingdom of God. We have the hope of of being in that kingdom. We have the hope of um, seeing God, seeing Christ doing what they want us to do in the kingdom, all of the things that is, that is set, us, set about for us. He says, then if children, then heirs. <laughs> I think after they sold my mom and dad's house, I got about $10,000. That was my heir 
And my kids might get a little less than that. Probably a lot less than that. But God has said we're going to become heirs. What's He got? Well, He owns everything. He owns it all. He owns the universe. He created the universe. He owns everything. So if we're going to be heirs, what are we going to be heirs of? Well, we're everything that God has created for us and for His Son. And for Himself. You know, God takes pleasure in His creations. He takes pleasure in the things. If children and heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be also glorified together. And this is so encouraging, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, not worthy at all, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. When Paul talks about the expectations that we could have, I don't think we really quite understand until we're in the kingdom. We can guess, we can think, we can be like uh, you know science fiction writers and different writers and uh, uh, try to try to put it together. But I think I think we're going to miss the mark. I think the things that are there are going to be so much greater than what we've ever thought. Because Paul says the earnest expectation of the creation. It uses creature in the scriptures, but it actually means the creation. Waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature of the creation was made subject to vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The whole creation, the whole creation that God has set forth will be ours. I don't know how He's going to do it. I don't know what our place will be. I don't know what, what He's put forth. But it's, Paul says, this is a fact that we will have a part of this glorious creation that He has made. We know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan inside ourselves, waiting, waiting for that sonship that is the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees why does he yet hope for it? And you can look at Hebrews 11.1 1 and the faith chapter and all of that. I would like, since I'm getting very close to the end here, I'm going to skip a few of this. Um, you can read that. I want to skip back down here to verse 31 and read this last little part here because I think it is so encouraging what, God, what Paul is saying about what God can do for us and, and even in the situations in which uh, we find ourselves in trials and tribulations. What shall we say then, verse 31, of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us, uh, for us all, how shall, we, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay all things to His charge of God? 
elect. Um, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So, <laughs> when Satan comes before him, Christ is there. You know, he's always there to accuse us before before God. But our Savior, our High Priest, is there, and He says, "You are saved. You are my child." It is God that justifies. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want to know who's going to separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? A lot of people have gone through many of those things and died because they believed in the name of Jesus Christ. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Oh, He loved us so much. And He still loves us because He dwells in us and He wants us to be a part of His kingdom. In this last part, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Me also. You also. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, because we are led by the Spirit of God. And we look forward to the kingdom to come on this earth.